בשם השם נעשה ונצליח, שיעור תורה. ברוכים הבאים, we are uh, back here on our Wednesday night, סתם תה רבי, where after a little bit of דברי תורה, you guys will ask some questions, בעזרת השם הקדוש ברוך הוא will give us the answers. Uh, tonight's uh, שיעור will uh, be for a uh, רפואה שלמה, for רבנית uh, לבנה בת שרה, רב אפרים בן שולמית. רבנית שרה בת ענת, דוריס בת ג'ורה, דוד בן עשריאל, אורית בת אילנה, טליה בת שרה, יתרו בן אברהם, ג'אשווה בן נוח, ואלכס בן נוח, והצלחה רבה, מרשה בת ג'ולי, איילה בת מרשה, סמיול בן מרשה, ספס בן מרשה, אלכסנדר בן מרשה, לואיס בן מרשה, שאול בן פרזנה, ראובן חיים בן פלה פארל, אוסף הזיווג הגון, אושרי בן דוריס, גבי בן דוריס, אלעד בן דוריס, דוד בן אסריה, יתרו בן אברהם, נתנאל יוסף בן אברהם, ואוסף הרפואה שלמה, שושנה uh, בת ניקולה, או שושנה ניקולה. בעזרת השם, הקדוש ברוך הוא גיבדם רפואה שלמה, רפואת הנפש, רפואת הגוף, הצלחה רבה בכל מעשי ידיהם. יס, די מייק איז גוד, די גייז, אני אאמין. An hour and a half and uh, nobody can hear me. Okay, good. Okay, so my screen is uh, having some issues. Baruch Hashem. All right. Yeah. So uh, we have Parashat uh, Shoftim. Parashat Shoftim. And as you can see from the uh, title, or at least part of the title, uh, for those of you that are going to be watching uh, tomorrow or the following days, uh, the Rabbanut versus Reform. Uh, what does this have to do with anything? Let's see. Uh, the parasha says, Shoftim b'shotrim titen lecha, v'kol sh'arecha, asher Adonai Eloecha noten lecha l'shvatecha, v'shavtu et ha'am mishpat tzedek. Judges and officers shall you appoint in all of your cities, which Hashem your God gives you, for your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. This, in essence, is the Torah commandment that Am Yisrael must have judges. We have to have Batedin. Now, of course, in those days, we had the uh, Moshe Rabbeinu as the uh, official Sanhedrin, and then later on, we had the Sanhedrin of all of the Anshei Knesset HaGdola. But since the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash, we do not have a Sanhedrin, but nonetheless, the commandment to have a Bed-Din is still applicable and still instituted, not the same, we don't have the ability to have the capital punishment, but nonetheless, there is a Bed-Din in virtually every Jewish community that is uh, standing on a solid foundation, has a bedin. And uh, here we have a, a Torah commandment that uh, this is something that is uh, critical and not a suggestion, not something that uh, perhaps uh, you could, perhaps you couldn't. This is one of those things where if you don't have a bedin in, in a town, 
you simply don't have a Jewish community because without a Beddin, you're not really going to know what to do. But as we said uh, many times, uh, you know, without having Chachamim in general, uh, and not just the local Chachamim, but having the Gdolei Ador, having the sages of the generation, the, 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 the Rabbanut, uh, in, in Eretz Yisrael, the, the, the great sages around the world that are uh, accepted and acknowledged by, uh, by other Chachamim as the Gdolim, and not just by their friends, but rather by the, uh, all communities as the Gdolei Ador, these are the wings of Am Yisrael. Now, uh, of course, throughout all of the generations, this is uh, not something that started recently, but throughout all of the generations, the, uh, the greater the rabbis, the more enemies they had, uh, starting with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, the, uh, the, the uh, Navi of the Nevi'im, the, the prophet of all prophets, uh, the, uh, the king, uh, he was uh, not, uh, not someone that did not have enemies. Uh, anyone that read the Chumash even one time in their life uh, saw how many enemies uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had. Uh, starting with uh, the people themselves, the very same people that he uh, helped uh, free them from slavery, ended up calling him an adulterer and a thief uh, and all types of other horrific names. And of course, the Gemara says that uh, in Masechet Megillah that uh, after uh, Moshe Rabbeinu died, that the people truly understood what gift they had, what schut they had to have such a uh, person among them. Needless to say, lead them. Uh, and from there we learned that it takes the students 40 years to truly understand what the rabbi said. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu had an endless amount of enemies. Korach, the Tan Aviram, uh, you know, obviously went to battle with him and, uh, in public. And uh, David Melech had countless enemies, including even family members, his own children. Uh, you had a, uh, uh, all types of enemies of Am Yisrael, but uh, as the Pasuk says, that uh, your uh, conquerors, your destroyers will come from within you, meaning that the biggest enemy that the Jewish people have ever had was not the Nazis, was not the uh, Ishmaelim, was not the uh, Christians, uh, but rather was ourselves, was our own people. We have been our own biggest enemy since the beginning. Uh, we caused ourselves to lose the Bet HaMikdash twice and we still do it every single day because of our own people and uh, not our own people disagreeing on whether you should uh, keep uh, Shabbat based on Rashi on Rabbeinu Tam but rather based on uh, the ones that wanted to always reform Judaism and change it into whatever fit personal agendas and uh, the reform movement, uh, as what it's called today and for the last couple of hundred years, uh, may Hashem uproot them from the world, was not something new. We had the Sadducees and the Batchesees. We had all types of reformers throughout all of the generations, the ones that became Mityavnim, they became uh, Greeks. Uh, we had uh, all types of uh, different versions of Zionism, the Giborim, uh, and uh, we had all types of false messiahs. Uh, uh, um, we had, of course, uh, the worst of them all, Yoshke, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Imachimov Zichro. We had Shabtai Tzvi. We had uh, um, a countless, uh, countless uh, uh, people that uh, followed uh, Shabtai Tzvi. And uh, in fact, until this day, 
until this day there are people that are uh, uh, following this false messiah even though he himself uh converted to islam and be uh, became a uh uh completely uh, uh foreign to us as foreign as foreign gets but uh he was not finished even after he died he had yaakov uh, frank uh, uh was the continuation of shabtai tzvi the false messiah uh which perhaps will uh, bring a story uh, about him later today uh but there's always been enemies of judaism we've uh, we've had them throughout all of the generations uh, and really, the uh, the only reason why Judaism exists today is not because of modern day Israel that uh, was uh, established in 1948, but rather because of the original 1948 of Avraham Avinu, where Kadosh Baruch Hu says to Avraham Avinu, Avraham Avai, Avraham Avai is my lover. Why is he my lover? Because he loves my commandments and he teaches it to his household. Meaning that since the beginning, since Avraham Avinu, the only reason why the Jewish people continued to uh, to survive and to uh, to outlive their enemies, whether within or out, whether it's the Amalek and the uh, and the Ishmaelim and the Christian missionaries, or it's the reformers that uh, were born to Jewish mothers in many cases uh, that are trying to destroy and uproot Judaism, uh, but still keep the title, still keep the brand. Uh, and the reality is that the only reason why we continue to outlive all of them, uh, despite uh, them murdering us, both spiritually and physically, is because of those that are lovers of the mitzvot, those that are staying loyal to the mitzvot. And the Torah commandments commands us to have these judges, these officers, these shoftim, these shotrim, uh, that are going to keep us, uh, you know, in essence at bay away from our own yetzirah give us a fence around the fence where even though you have the fence of the torah that tells you what to do and what not to do the torah commands us to also listen to da torah of the sages of the chachamim of the generation of all the generations as every generation is going to have leaders uh, that are like the moshe rabbeinu of the generation not one and not two but perhaps many and nonetheless we have an obligation to listen to them where is that obligation it's in many places in the Torah, but one of them is in this week's parashat, parashat Shoftim, where it not only starts off with this commandment, but it even goes further. In uh, chapter uh, 17, uh, verse number 9 and on, it says, You shall come to the Kohanim, to the Levites, and to the judge. Which judge? The very same judge, that Gdolado, that big rabbi, that Dayan, that we talked about in the beginning of the parashat. So you should come to the Kohanim, to the Levites, and to the judge, will be in those days which days days of Moshe Rabbeinu obviously if it's in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu would say today and those days means forever until Mashiach comes will be in those days you shall inquire and they will tell you the words of judgment meaning there's no such thing as I'm gonna pask in my own halacha because I think I know better than the Shulchan Aruch I'm gonna pask in my own halacha because I think I'm smart no once the Gdolei Adol say, this is how we psak, we all accept the Shulchan Aruch, that's what Klal Yisrael accepts. If you're Ashkenazi, you, uh, you have by the, the custom of the Ramah, uh, and, and, and if you're Sfaradi, you're with the uh, psak of uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo, the Bet Yosef. And of course, in order to know how to apply these uh, rules uh, into today, many, you know, you need poskim of, of, the, of today, 
to show you how to apply the original law the original law into today for things that perhaps did not exist at that time whether it be electricity or uh, or flying from place to place and how you deal with the hours and the changes uh the uh the, the whole issue of, of 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 time zones and so on and so forth the point is is that you have to have the gedolim you have to have the beddin uh that is a uh, going to in essence rule over the people and you have to accept their judgments if there is a altercation between two jews whether it be a uh, business or otherwise they have to go to the beddin you're not allowed to go to a civil court unless unless one of the parties rejects the invitation of the beddin which at that point would put that person on cherem uh that person would not be uh, no one's allowed to do business with them anymore no one's allowed to count them in minyan and then you're allowed to take that person to a civil court you'll have a permission from the beddin but the point is is that you have if you go to a beddin the beddin gives a judgment you have to accept the beddin's judgment even if you disagree with it and you know that you're right and you feel that you're right whatever the judgment is that's what you go by why because that's what Torah commands us to it's not a rabbinical enactment it's a biblical enactment to 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 follow the rabbis is not a rabbinical enactment like the Christian missionaries uh say but rather it's a biblical commandment from where we see today in this week's parasha so you shall come to the Kohanim to the Levites to the judges who will be in those days you shall inquire and they will tell you the words of judgment you shall do according to the word that they will tell you from the place that Hashem will choose and you shall be careful to do accordingly to everything that they will teach you according to the teaching that they will teach you and according to the judgment that they will say to you this is also one of the many sources for the oral Torah of course the oral Torah is not something that's it's not called oral Torah in the written Torah there is if uh, you know for whatever reason or another people believe that if you don't find the word oral Torah or Torah in the written Torah that means that it didn't exist it's 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 a very high level of stupidity and ignorance uh in this generation nonetheless uh but the point is is that Torah is the term that the sages used uh because it's called many different things sometimes it's simply insinuated one of the places that it's insinuated as teachings the teachings of these rabbis these judges what are they going to tell you the teachings of the written Torah obviously you don't need the judges to tell you what the teachings of the written Torah is you have it in front of you you need to know how to interpret the teachings of the written Torah which is the the oral Torah and you have to listen to everything that they tell you everything that they teach you it says over here according to the teachings that they will teach you and according to the judgment that they will say to you shall you do you shall not deviate from the words that they will tell you right or left now what if somebody doesn't feel like doing it what if somebody decides to tell the world listen I know that the sages said that uh you have to cry to a Kadosh Baruch Hu practically in every single day of your life every single prayer that you make that's technically what you're supposed to do when we say uh vidui as Faradim, we say vidui and many Ashkenazim today that uh take the Nusach of Darizal also say vidui every day we say Chatanu Avinu Pashanu. In essence, the reality is you're supposed to cry. I sin the Shem. That's what it's not just for Slichot and for, for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to cry and Tisha B'Av. No, you're supposed to cry every single day in reality. If you look at some of the prayers of the Tzadikim and how they prayed every day, 
typical mincha on an average Wednesday. They would cry their heart out much more than uh, the, the best among us will cry on Tisha B'Av. Why? Because that's how you pray. But of course, most people are not uh, going to get to that level. But the reality is we're supposed to cry. We're supposed to uh, uh, follow what everything that Hashem uh, says. And we know that we sometimes fail. As the Torah itself says, Tzadik uh, falls seven times and gets up. Even someone that's righteous falls uh, seven times and gets up. Why is he Tzadik? Because he continues to get up. And he uses that fall as leverage in order to get himself to a higher. So he doesn't fall in the same way every time. It's each time it's a new fall. It's a new obstacle. But nonetheless, when the sages tell us what they tell us, we have to follow what they say. And if some superhero decides that he doesn't have, you know, you don't have to listen to the Shulchan Aruch, and you don't have to pray like everybody else, and you don't have to keep like everybody else, and you could just listen to him, and he knows better than everybody else, nobody in the world, 90% of the Jews, they arrogantly say. 90% of the rabbis in the world don't even know what Judaism is. He knows, never even completed the Shas even one time in his life, but he knows better than the Gedol He knows better than the uh, most righteous people that ever lived. He knows, why? Because he uh, likes to ride a motorcycle, or he has a really long beard, and he uh, likes to tell people that God needs you, or he uh, has a lot of friends from the Christian world and the, and the Muslim world, and all of these heretics that are out there in the world uh, unfortunately, they continue coming up out of the ground like worms after rain. Or the guy tells you, listen, you can do whatever you want, you know, uh, and paskin for the way you want, and this and that. And where, where did you learn this from? From the zoo that you run in, 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 a, uh, in a, uh, the, uh, the museum? Where do, you, where do you know all of this from? Where, how, you're better than all of the biggest G'dolei Adon. Unfortunately, many people are so arrogant that they don't even know what a G'dolei Adon is, but they still think that they're better than them. And here we have Torah commanding us to listen to the rabbis, but not just any rabbi. Of course, you have to listen to rabbis that are Tamid Chamim, but even more so when you're talking about the issues of the Gdoleado, the leaders of the generation, the heads of the Bedin. And what happens if somebody says, God needs you? Well, that's not in the Masoet, that's not in the Torah. Yeah, but I think God needs you. I think God needs you. What if somebody says, You're, you know, you don't have to listen to the Shulchan Aruch, that's just uh, one opinion, you can listen to other opinions. Yeah, but the big rabbi said, no. The big rabbi said, you have to accept the Shulchan Aruch. Yeah, but I don't think so, because I don't think so, because I don't think so. So what happens to those people that go against the sages? Torah says at the time of the Sanhedrin, not today, because we don't have a Sanhedrin, unfortunately, but nonetheless, at the time of the Sanhedrin, what would happen to those people? What would happen to a person that would make a rabbinical violation on purpose? A rabbinical violation. A lot of times people say, is this rabbinical rabbi or is this a biblical mitzvah? I ask them all the time, why? Well, I don't know. If it's just rabbinical, then oh, it's okay. Do you understand what you're saying even? No. Okay, do you know what the punishment is for biblical mitzvah? Isn't it death penalty? Not always. Stealing is a biblical violation. Not allowed to steal. Not allowed to steal. If you're a Jew, you steal, you get caught, you have to pay double. You don't, you don't get killed. You don't get whipped. You have to pay double. If you don't get caught, but you hand the, the, the money back, you uh, admit that you stole, that's it. You're finished. You absolved. You did tshuva. But if, if you violate any rabbinical enactment, the iruv, 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 death penalty, all rabbinical, violations that you make on purpose death penalty and this way it says in the Torah over here and the man who will act with willingness 
not listening to the Kohen who stands there to serve Hashem your God, or to the judge, that man shall die, and you shall destroy the evil from among Israel. Why is such a harsh punishment for a rabbinical violation? Why? Why? HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us. So the entire nation shall listen and fear, and they shall not act willfully anymore. There's a specific reason why Kadosh Baruch Hu gave power to the rabbis, power to the sages. Why? Without the sages having power, Am Israel will not survive a week. That's just a reality. All of the ups and downs we had, we've had in Judaism throughout the last few thousand years, we always stayed with a few small communities that had strength why they have strength despite the poverty and the famine and the disease and the anti-semitism and the pogroms and the inquisitions and the holocaust why because the rabbis had power they get the rabbi said paskin that's what we do that's what we do like good little babies that's what we do but then you're gonna have the superheroes that want to reform you're gonna have the superheroes that want to reform that want you to marry man and man like two apes they want you to marry woman and woman like two rabbits they want you to uh make everything kosher including the pig and the camel and all the other forbidden animals they want you to be able to anybody decide who's converting who's not even if you're uh you don't even look jewish you don't act jewish and perhaps you're not even jewish but you want to decide who's going to convert who's kosher and who's not that's what the reformers want to do Torah says people like that at the time of the Sanhedrin will get a death penalty what about today what do we do with them today the Gemara says don't worry HaKadosh Baruch Hu already knew at the time he built the Bet HaMikdash at the time he created the world that the Bet HaMikdash would be destroyed Am Yisrael will sin he has to destroy the Bet HaMikdash instead of destroying the people but nonetheless he already instituted a law ahead of time the Torah is before the world this law says even if there isn't a Sanhedrin that will institute a death penalty do not worry the Gemara says why HaKadosh Baruch Hu will institute death penalty if you see an ox running over a person that's the equivalent of stoning you see a person falling off of a building a building collapsing somehow in the middle of the night stoning burning in fire that's the uh, fire you see a person drowning that's the uh, strangulation all four measures of the death penalty that instituted in the Torah are still applicable even without a Bedin. Only difference is Hashem's the Bedin that's going to institute the death penalty. There's the Bedin here, but that Bedin is limited because we don't have the Sanhedrin. But the Bedin, the judgment itself is never limited. Why? Akadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. Akadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. And this week's parasha says something unbelievable. Unbelievable, Rabotai. Where it says over here, Rabotai. The, who's who's the biggest tzaddik initially who's the biggest tzaddik at the time obviously it's the prophets Moshe Rabbeinu he's the king then it says in this week's parasha if you guys want an actual king aside from Moshe Rabbeinu you want a king later on this king can't has to be picked by Hashem now this king is not picked because of how good looking he is or how smart he is or how nice his family is or that his father's a rabbi he himself has to be a tzaddik and despite being a tzaddik and a gadol and a, and, and, and kodesh kodeshim he has to have a Sefer Torah with him at all times. 
where it says here that he has to write for himself two copies of this Torah two copies two scrolls he has to have two sefer Torah and it shall be with him and he shall read from it all of his days of his life all the days of his life that he will learn to fear Hashem his God to observe all of the words of this Torah and its decrees to perform them meaning even if he is the king he has to learn the same shiur about Yerat Shamaim, the shiur about Genom, shiur about Tikkun Abrid, shiur about uh, uh, fearing of the Almighty, just like everybody else on a regular basis. On a regular basis, has to learn about Yerat Shamaim. And even he himself, even he himself has to be worried not to sin. Why? He has to learn this so his heart does not become arrogant over his brethren and not turn from the commandments right or left meaning he himself has to comply with the rabbinical enactments he himself has to comply with all of the torah commandments now of course abutai akadosh Bahu sent us prophets throughout the generations but unfortunately there are also false prophets false prophets that sometimes had powers false prophets that even today have power perhaps not the mystical powers of the past but the power of speech where they can convince people to go against the sham while convincing them that they're actually doing a mitzvah these false prophets are still here today unfortunately and of course there are also good prophets where kadosh Bahu says prophet from your midst from your brethren like me moshe rabbeinu says shall hashem your god establish for you to him shall you hearken you always have to listen to the right prophets not the false prophets false prophets what happens to the false prophet but the prophet who willfully speaks the word in my name that which I not command him to speak or who shall speak in the name of the gods of others that prophet shall die again same parashah again tells us about how people get death penalty 3333 years of death penalties but yet somehow people want to convince you that Hashem loves everybody and you shouldn't hate anyone I'm not really understanding how somebody can claim to read the Torah and actually say such a stupid statement 3000 years of death penalties in the Torah instituted commanded by us and yet people say you should love everybody even if they hate God you should love the reformers even though they're destroying the Torah and Am Yisrael already for a few hundred years. You should love them. Why should I love them? Oh, they're Jews. What makes them Jewish? What makes them Jewish? Oh, the Torah says if their mother is Jewish, then they're Jewish. Yeah, but the Torah that says that, they don't believe in that Torah. They don't believe the Torah is divine. They don't believe they have to follow the Torah. But we'll get to that in a moment. Kadosh Baruch Hu said that these false prophets that say God needs you, these false prophets that say that Genom is only 12 months for everybody, no matter who you are, even if you're Adolf Hitler, if you're Mechalel Shabbat, if you waste seed, if you uh, committed adultery, if you uh, made all types of crimes, no matter what, maximum punishment is 12, 12 months. The Ramban, the Ramban, one of the Gdole Olam, one of the greatest sages that ever walked on the face of the earth, says in the uh, Sefil uh, that the... Uh, uh, um, person that says that genome is limited to 12 months is 100 percent an apicos and has no share of the god of israel you can't count them in minyan 
You cannot count such a person in a minyan that says that you have genom is maximum 12 months. But can I learn Torah from him, Rabbi, even though he says that there's only 12 months genom? I don't know. Ask the Ramban. Ramban knows better than me. I'm just learning. Ramban says you can't learn from him. In fact, Ramban says you can't even count him in minyan. So you're still asking the same question of whether you should learn from him? But why is God so vicious? Why is that vicious? Why is that vicious? Well, I don't want to go to Gainon for 12 months. So don't so do tshuva. Don't make sense. Why does it have to be more than 12 months? The Ramban writes, the Ramban writes, Karim, and this is actually one of the places that's actually translated to English for anybody that uh, wants to uh, wants to read it. It's called Shara Gmul. It's the, the writings of the Ramban. Nachmanides. And uh, he says that saying that Hashem has given us a maximum sentence of 12 months of Genom turns him into Shalom, an evil God. Why an evil God? Because if you're giving the same sentence to someone that desecrated Hashem's name, desecrated Torah, desecrated Shabbat, and did all of these sins, as you do to somebody that made petty crimes, that's an evil God. And if you give the same sentence to somebody that violated Shabbat one time versus somebody that violated Shabbat a thousand times, that's an evil God. If you give the same sentence to somebody that murdered one person versus somebody that murdered a thousand people, the same sentence, that's an evil God. And we don't have an evil God. We have a just God. To say that a maximum sentence is 12 months, the Ramban says, means that the person is an apikos. person that believes that is a heretic 100%. No question about it. And who's going to go against the Ramban? You with your little funny hat? Or your motorcycle? With your uh, long beard? Call yourself a Hasid? With, uh, with your uh, Arab friends and your, uh, and your Christian best friends? Who's going to go against the Ramban? That's what Torah says. And anyone that goes against the rabbis, Torah itself says that people like that get death penalty from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now of course there's a lot of conspiracy in the world. A lot of things happening in the world with this coronavirus, with the vaccine. Some say that the coronavirus is a, uh, not as bad. Some people say that the vaccine is much worse than the coronavirus. There's a lot of confusion. I've told you a thousand times already. There are chachamim, gdole olam, that say to take the vaccine. And there are gdole olam chachamim that say don't take the vaccine. Whoever listens to the chachamim will have the protection of the Torah. Meaning that regardless of which side you take, if you're taking that side, whether take the vaccine or not take the vaccine, not because you watched a bunch of YouTube videos and read a bunch of articles you don't understand and watched a bunch of people that call themselves experts even though no one's ever heard of them in their life. If that's the reason why you're taking the vaccine or not taking it, then you, my friend, can rely on those people. If you're taking it or not taking it because the Gdolea Adol said to take it or not to take it, you choose whichever side, you'll have the protection of the Torah. Why? Because the Torah is what protects you. The Torah, not the vaccine, and not the flu, and not the uh, opposite. Torah is what protects you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu changes nature for the sake of the Chachamim. Where do we see that in the Torah? This week's parasha. This week's parasha says to us, Rabotai Yekarim, that if there is a person that hates his fellow, if there will be a person that hates his fellow, this is chapter 19, verse 11. 
and ambushes him and rises up against him and strikes him and immortally uh, and, he, and the person dies and that person runs to the uh to the cities of refuge he killed somebody but now he wants to run where he knows there's a bunch of jews over there some elders some tzaddikim over there he wants some refuge why this is the city of refuge where if somebody killed somebody on purpose uh, accidentally they protect them but this guy killed them on purpose he killed him on purpose but he still wants to go to the city of refuge to get protection to, you say wait he's a jew you should love everybody right he's a jew he puts on tefillin every day he keeps shabbat he uh he donates a lot of money but he killed this guy that was his uh, business competition he killed this guy that uh, he didn't like him because he's ashkenazi or he's litai or he's uh sfaradi or he's hasidish or he's chabad i hate him ah i killed him oh so you think he did a mitzvah why you want protection from the jewish people he goes to the bedin he wants protection Torah says then the elders of the city shall send and take him from there and place him in the hand of the redeemer of the blood and he shall die you're not allowed to protect that person in fact you have to put it in the hands of the person that's going to kill him why he's a murderer he's a murderer yeah but he's a jew he's a jewish murderer he's a jewish murderer it's it's there are certain times that the torah commands us to kill people now of course today we don't have that ability but nonetheless it's still a law that's instituted in the world by the hand of Hashem now what happened to those people that want to do bad they want to create a a virus that's going to kill people they want to create a vaccine that's going to kill people they want to do all types of things they're going to get to kill people conspiracy conspiracy theory conspiracy itself uh new world order all types of things scaring people let me tell you something Torah answers that too where is it answered right after this section where the Torah says in chapter 19 verse 15 and on a single witness shall not stand up against any man for any iniquity or for any error regarding any sin that he may commit by the testimony of two witnesses or by the testimony of three witnesses shall a matter be confirmed if a false witness stands against the man to speak up against him spuriously against him then the two men and those who have the grievance shall stand before Hashem before the Kohanim and the judges who will be in those days the judges shall inquire thoroughly and behold the testimony was false testimony he testified falsely against his fellow you shall do to him as he conspired to do to his fellow and you shall destroy the evil from your midst now what does this all mean in the jewish world there's no such thing as taking the testimony of only a single witness everything before there's any death penalty before any judgment you have to have two witnesses or more two witnesses three witnesses that's it one witness comes says i saw it i was there he murdered he raped he did this we can't believe him uh the the guy the guy that was uh with the wife the guy is married and his wife cheated on him now the guy himself the guy himself that went with the wife comes and says to the bedin i was with the wife we don't believe him we don't have to believe him even if the wife by herself comes we don't have to believe her it's one witness we don't have to believe him 
Here we says over here. Now, what if it's death penalty? He says, oh, he killed him. He killed him. If it's one witness, we don't take his, uh, we don't take his testimony. Two witnesses say he killed him. We saw him. Death penalty. Now, what about if the Torah says, what about if two people said, yeah, yeah, we saw him, he killed him. And right before the game of death penalty, right before the game of death penalty, two, wit- two new witnesses come. Two new witnesses come and say, hey, hold on a second. You're about to kill this guy. He's innocent. Yeah, but we have two witnesses that say that he killed him. Yeah, they're liars. What? Liars? They're Jewish. They keep Shabbat, put on tefillin, they give tzedakah. Yeah, they're liars too. They're liars. They give tzedakah. How are they liars? How, how can you prove the lies? We approve the lies. Why? Look at my phone. Picture. Date. They were with us at the time of the, of, of the murder. Meaning, there was no way for them to witness the murder. The bed dean reviews this. The bed dean reviews this and says, yeah, these are false witnesses. And now, now, Rabotai, the death penalty goes on them, those false witnesses. This in itself is, for somebody that does not understand, is a wonder of wonders. Why? Why is it a wonder of wonders? Because here, Kadosh Baruch Hu says that there are times that he will, man, will get himself involved with free will. There are specific times that he'll get himself involved with free will. Where? Logic, Chachamim tell us, logic would dictate that if two witnesses come and tell you different what the existing witnesses said to you what would everybody say no if this was the righteous judgment hashem would have sent you first he sent two other people who told us that uh the the truth so why should we why should we automatically believe the new witnesses why should we automatically believe the new witnesses not only believe the new witnesses but actually give the punishment to the original witnesses, they automatically become the false witnesses. Meaning, if there's originally two witnesses that say that the person is guilty, and now two new witnesses come, after there's already been, that's it, it's judged already. We have all proofs, statements, everything. Two new witnesses come and say, no, they're liars, they were with us. They couldn't have been at the place to witness it. There's no way that the guy, uh, 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 that they're saying the truth. Automatically, the Beddin believes the new witnesses. Automatically. The Beddin believes the new witnesses. Why? Kadosh Baruch Hu says, I am the one. I am the one that runs the world. If I wanted the person to die... It's not going to be because people told on him or because he took a vaccine or because he got the virus or because he lived at a certain place at a certain time. If I want him to die, it's in my hands and my hands alone. No one can kill you unless I say so. So even if somebody tries, even if somebody tries to say, you should do this you should take this i'm gonna send somebody else and even more so i'm gonna have a law in the torah and a law in nature that the second witness always have to be believed 
always have to be believed meaning the second witness is in it's in essence the hand of a kadosh baruch Hu himself second set of witnesses is a hand of a kadosh baruch Hu himself this is a kadosh baruch Hu in essence telling us outright in a torah there is no death or suffering that's away from my reach it's always my hand pulling the trigger always my hand there is no such thing as a mass conspiracy to kill everybody a mass conspiracy to uh you know, to make everybody not able to have children a mass conspiracy to make everybody slaves in a new world order no such thing why akadosh baruchu runs the world if akadosh baruchu wants you to live nobody in the world nobody in the world including the whole world can change that if a kadosh who wants a person to die no power in the world can stop it including the entire world this is why it baffles me of how rabbis are getting involved in the conspiracy of all this craziness we have to have a community meeting we have to have a event we have to do what we can as our ishtadlut to go fight against the power that be that are going to force everyone to take the vaccine are you insane are you out of your mind are you trying to cause trouble be quiet why akadosh baruch Hu runs the world if akadosh baruch Hu wants to protect us so protect us if he doesn't he won't what you can do that's useful is perhaps encourage the community to do tshuva and then you'll give akadosh baruch Hu a reason to protect us no matter what the criminals want to do whether they want to give a new virus or a new vaccine or a combination of both it'll make a difference this rabotai is how amisad has survived for all of these thousands of years but somehow somehow people have forgotten the hand of a kadosh baruch that runs the world now when we have the leaders of amisad we see that the leaders of amisad are not involved in this conspiracy mumbo jumbo why because the leaders of Am Yisrael are too busy fighting for Am Yisrael. You look at the article that came out, the biggest and most extraordinary united event happened in Eretz Yisrael. All of the greatest rabbis got together. Both Rishon Lezion, Rav, Rav Lau, Rav Yitzchak Yosef, the, the, the Ashkenazi Rabbanim, the Sephardi Rabbanim, the Gaon Rabbi Yehuda Deri, the uh, uh, Rabbi Yosef Efrati, uh, 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 the uh, uh, Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu, uh, a, uh, I mean, literally, Geone Olam, Geone Olam, from all parts of the Haredi world got together. We think they're fighting about coronavirus. You think they're arguing about the vaccine? Absolutely not. What are they crying about? What are they all gathering about? Hundreds of Geonim. I don't know if there's been a meeting like this in decades. Hundreds of them screaming and yelling, not at each other, for each other, uniting with each other. Why? 
fighting against the new reform that's happening in the world, especially in Eretz Israel, where the government, the Zionist government that's spearheaded by haters of the Torah, haters of Judaism that can even have the audacity to call themselves Jews, one of them with a little penny keeper on his head, pretends to be religious, are trying to create a major reform. Cancel the Kashrut, the Rabbanut Kashrut in Eretz Yisrael. Say, no, where the government will handle the Kashrut. Do you know how to, how, how to determine if something is tarif? You know how to check the lungs? You know how to check if something is kosher or not? Do you even know which animals are kosher? Because you eat pig in your house. Do you even know how? How? How are you going to know? No, we're going to have experts. We're going to have scientists. We're going to have professors. Oversee the kashrut, oversee the gerut, oversee the conversions. Wait, so you're going to tell me that two non-religious people are going to determine if somebody's religious enough to be Jewish? It's the most absurd thing in the world. It's like the, the person that's a high school dropout is going to be, and is actually in fact, the head of the educational department in Eretz Yisrael. It's the most bizarre thing. You can't even make this stuff up. And now they want to change the kashrut. They want to convert everyone. They want to marry everyone. You want to marry a sofa? Go marry a sofa. You want to marry man and man? Marry man and man. You want to marry a woman with woman? Marry woman with woman. Jews, non-Jews, don't make a difference. But they want to put the kosher stamp on it. They don't just want to do it like the Goyim do it. They want to put Judaism on it. They want to give a section of the kotel to the reformers. They want to give... Powers to the anti-Torah. But you think that's only in Eretz Yisrael? Just today I got an article from a dear friend who says President Joe Biden appointed a progressive rabbi. Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom raising protests from American Jews. Why would having a rabbi next to the president of the u.s be a bad thing because this rabbi sharon kleinbaum is a homosexual woman who is famous for hating israel and mourning over hamas terrorists this this wicked disgusting excuse of a human being sharon kleinbaum is a woman that pretends to be a rabbi who preaches against Israel on a regular basis, even despite the fact that her own congregants already have had it. Somehow she still has a job. She celebrates the LGBTQ, Sodom and Gomorrah, because she's part of it. She herself is married to a woman. I wouldn't be surprised if she's married to a few dogs too. And she she mourns over the Hamas terrorists that bombed the Jews, that killed the Jewish people. And she dares to call herself a rabbi. Leading a congregation. And supports Omar Shakiri Machshima Vezicha. Linda Sarsuri Machshima Vezicha. Tamika Malo. All these anti-Israel people, all these famous anti-Semites in Congress. Ilan Omar, she supports them. 
But yet, she calls herself a Jewish rabbi. She calls herself a Jewish rabbi. She's anti-Torah. She's openly homosexual. She helps build the homosexuality in the world by herself practicing it publicly and, and, and speaking for them and promoting them and so on. On top of it, she's not only anti-Torah, she's anti-the Jewish people, even if they're secular, if they live in Eretz Yisrael, or they even love Jews. But yet, she dares to call herself a rabbi. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. And yet, the Israeli government wants her people to be responsible of the conversions in Israel, to be responsible of the kashrut in Israel, to be responsible of the religion in Israel. They want her, this Allah, this Zonah, they want her to be the head of the rabbinical world of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael. They want people like her to be the Rishon Letzion. That's what the Gdolei Adol are fighting. They're not fighting about or crying over this vaccine or the or the uh, the coronavirus. Why? They already know it's the hand of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. It's the hand of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The question is, when are we gonna know? When is Klal Yisrael going to stop wasting their time watching these stupid videos where every other day there's a new expert no one's ever heard of who discovered the conspiracy or discovered the cure or discovered something else. I don't discover America all over again. No one ever heard of this person in the world, but he's somehow a worldwide expert and he knows better than everybody else. Or the suddenly the politician that loves the people but is not lining his pocket. The honest politician. I mean, when are people going to stop wasting their time? Or the best yet, the, the, the people that are simply every other day coming up with new, uh, new letters. The heads of Am Yisrael are against the vaccine. And today I got the heads of the Sephardic Jewry are against the vaccine. They show you a piece of paper. Now, Baruch Hashem, this young student, he didn't know how to read Hebrew. So he sent it to me. He said, Robert, what do you think of this? I said, well, I don't know. The title is wrong. Well, why, why is the title wrong? It says the head of the Sephardic Jewry are against the vaccine. All of the people that signed this letter, not a single one of them has a Sephardic bone in it. I don't even know if these people eat jachnun. I don't know if these people know what are even allowed to eat harif. They're all Ashkenazi. What's Sephardi? They don't eat. They're relying on the ignorance of people. All of these people spreading these letters and these stupid videos about the conspiracy or about to take the vaccine. Both sides are ridiculous. They're not realizing that the most damaging part of this plague we've had in the world over the last year has been the fake news, has been the fact that people have become so obsessed with following one side or the other or both sides. They're simply crazy. That they've become fanatic. They don't even learn Torah anymore. They barely even go to shul. They barely learn anything. They barely practice anything. All they can talk about is the vaccine, the conspiracy, the new world order, and simply forget that it's all the hand of Hashem. The, these videos have consumed so much of people's brain, so much of people's time, so much of people's life, these, these newsletters, these uh, magazines, these l- fake WhatsApp posts and letters, 
all of these things have consumed so much t- time they're much worse than everybody the whole world getting the virus it was actually better off for the whole world to simply get the virus than for this to happen all of this media that's happening but every day everybody is a, sharing with the world oh we have an expert he's a orthodox jew and he says it's a poison oh we have another expert he's not even jewish but he's saying you jewish people you are making a mistake you should be listening to moses how he connects it nobody knows but he's a non-jew we should listen to him because he seems nice and he seems like he likes jewish people like literally the level of stupidity in society today especially our own communities has risen to new all-time highs why less torah more foolishness more idolatry they've turned coronavirus into a form of idolatry when they originally said oh you know corona the name i think in spanish or greek or some other language i don't know it really is a crown so this is really from god no it's not that that's not the symbolic part that the corona is a crown so therefore it's from god that we already knew the fact that it's a crown is because of who says don't turn this into a new crown don't turn this into a new king don't turn this into a new idol you chamal you idiots stop watching videos watch torah do tshuva because akadosh baruch Hu, he's the one that gives you the salvation he's the one that wins the war where can i learn that rabbi you can also learn it from this week's parasha also parasha Shoftina tells you to listen to the rabbis listen to the sages tells you that when you listen to the sages you're gonna win you're gonna win each and every time why because verse number chapter 20 verse number four says Ki who says to us for Hashem your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you with your enemies to save you he fights with you and your enemies to save you what do you think is going to save you some doctor nobody heard of some scientist that makes youtube videos who's going to save you other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Hashem give him a reason give him a reason stop electing homosexuals to be your leaders stop electing people that are against the Torah to be your leaders and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you the salvation that's why we pray every single day Rabotai Karim in our Amida in our Amida Ashiva Shoftenu Karishona Akadosh Bahu restore our judges as in the beginning as in the time that you were the judge as we had the Chachmei Israel the judges bring us to those days what do you mean bring us to those days Akadosh Bahu can do it tomorrow why are we praying for it Akadosh Bahu open our hearts so we see the truth that we accept that to offer what it is and stop trying to reform Judaism every other day please help us do tshuva that's what we pray for every day we pray to Hashem to help us do tshuva why because we're simply incapable incapable of doing it without his help but the ones that stick to HaKadosh Baruch Hu will always win whether they take the vaccine or they don't take the vaccine they already won because they listen to Da'at Torah and those that listen to Da'at Torah can escape the biggest tests the biggest tests 260 years ago there was a Mashiach Sheker named Yaakov Frank Shem Rashaim Yerkav he said he was the continuation of Shabtai Tzvi and he wasn't like 
the morons of today that uh, make YouTube videos telling people that they're Mashiach. He was actually able to use all types of impure forces in order to make magic, which the Torah in this week's parasha forbids. It's a death penalty. But nonetheless, people didn't know that he's using the, the, the powers of Tuma to make magic. But he wanted Am Israel to follow him. He didn't want just the Christians to follow him. He didn't want just the Arabs to follow him. He didn't want just the Gentiles to follow him. He wanted Am Israel to follow him. And that's when he got people to follow him. He showed him all types of powers, all types of miracles. Now, Rabotai, one of the eyewitnesses of this whole story is the one that wrote the story, the one that is part of the story. One of the Geonim of 260 years ago, one of the heads of the Sanhedrin at that time, heads of the Rabbanut at that time, the Gaon Rabbi, Yaak, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Shor writes himself, and this is a uh, quoted in uh, Rabbi Ephraim's uh, Doresh Tov, Parashat Re'eh, and he writes the story of what happened, where this Yaakov Frank goes to the powerful priests and says to them the jewish people are not following me i want you to force the rabbis to debate me debate that's that all the kufrim like to debate why i could fool them i could manipulate them i could do a lot of things with debate why don't you just write a letter Nah, letters they could think they uh they're not motivated they're not uh you know uh intimidated no 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 debate live debate he wants a live debate in front of the common in front of the priests and whoever wins that's who the priest will decree as the leader of the jewish people of course once the priests decree there's nothing that the jewish people could do about it why because they have also a powerful people that they could kill and cause harm to the jewish people so this yaakov frank causes the the uh the senate the uh the head rabbis the bedin which is headed by rabbi Yitzhak show to come to the debate and they have all types of questions back and forth and each time this Yitzhak frank this yaakov frank uh brings uh, a uh, issue rabbi Yitzhak show proves him wrong proves him wrong but then he says to them yeah but come on don't you understand that I can make miracles. I can make miracles. Rabbi Yitzhak says to him, our Torah tells us we don't follow somebody because they can make miracles. We don't follow people because they can make miracles. We don't follow people because they're good speakers. We don't follow people because they are scientists we don't follow people because they ride a motorcycle we follow people because they have da torah and if you don't have da torah if we had the power we would kill you so of course yaakov frank has something prepared the shaim always prepared for something to fool everyone all the naive all the weaklings he says don't you understand that i can make miracles and i can even bring your two dead parents right over here in front of us 
And they're going to tell you that I am right. They're going to tell you I'm the continuation of the real Mashiach of Shabtai Tzvi. Of course, the Gaon Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak Shor says to him, Bring him! And suddenly as he says it, two images come into the place. All of the people, Ooh, ah, ee, ah, you know, all the ah, ah, ah. And they see two people coming in wearing these hoodies and they take off the hoodies and they see these are who the parents the parents of, of, of the tzaddik rabia rabia uh, itzhak shul his parents they died years before but they're here and they're crying they're saying our dear son yes you have to listen to him you have to listen to yaakov frank he is the Mashiach. He is the truth. Look, he brought us to tell you. He brought us back from heaven to tell you. The Torah starts all over with him. Now, if you saw this, you saw this, what would you do? i tell you what most people would do. I don't know what you would do. Most people... They start singing, Mashiach, Mashiach, Mashiach. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. They fall into it. Yalla, let's go ask the Mashiach. He brought back the dead. Chachamim, do not act like idiots that fall for traps, even if the traps are convincing. Rabbi Yitzchak Shoh, Shalom, was Kodesh Kodeshim, and he simply gave them the only answer that he can give them, the only answer that's needed. And he says to the two people that are saying they're his parents, they look exactly like his parents, and there are hundreds and hundreds of people witnessing this. And he says to them, Yaakov Frank says the Torah is, ends and starts with him he's changing the torah you agree with him so that means i don't have to honor you as my parents anymore and if i don't have to honor any my parents anymore nothing will stop me from doing this he takes his staff on both of their heads and all of a sudden in front of hundreds of people both of these people suddenly disappear inside their clothes everybody is astonished they pick up the clothes and they remove them and they see what's under this two dead dogs and even the priest the idol worshiper recognized at that moment that Yaakov frank was a liar that was using witchcraft using witchcraft he's no mashiach he's no nothing he's a liar and that rabotai was a story not from thousands of years ago it's a story that happened just 260 years ago in the year taf kuf yutet exactly 261 almost 262 years ago now these types of stories are part of Klal Israel. Meaning that the tests are not just difficult because of some YouTube phenomenon 
or some doctors that no one ever heard of or some scientists or some politicians or some new uh, world order of some kind these types of tests have always been and Akadosh Baruch Hu says it's me that's sending it to them it's me that's sending it to you and it's me that can heal it only if you listen to me and listening to me means you have to listen to the G'dolei Ador. You have to listen to the giants among the giants. The giants. That's what's going to protect you. Why? When you listen to the reformers, all you're going to do is simply lose. All you're going to do is simply lose. It's simply a disaster. A disaster that has cost us millions of lives. Millions of lives. People believed the Jewish agency at the time of the Holocaust were the saviors were the saviors of the jewish people led by the first president of israel they thought that people like dr kastner were the saviors of hungary jewry saviors the jewish agency why the jews they're collecting tons and tons of money they love the jewish people only later on only later on does Ami said, find through a lawsuit by a simple Orthodox Jew that's in the records today, there are books written about it, exposes the liars that in reality is the leaders. It's Ben Gurion, it's Wiseman, it's, it's, it's Sharet, it's all of these Reshaim from the Jewish agency, these Zionists. They actually killed the last million Jews of the Holocaust they had an opportunity to free all of them they had an opportunity eichmann the nazi was willing to free a million jews just to give them some trucks coffee and tea that's it they sabotage sabotaged the, the 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 one guy the one guy that was looking to help them just to make the deal a guy that was working with them who thought that they were they were his heroes a guy named Joel Brand famous story he went they sabotaged him just to make sure that these one million Jews die in the Holocaust by the Nazis and what happens they become the president the first president of Israel Wiseman Dr. Ben Gurion all of these people that manipulated the Torah in order to get the world to feel bad for them. But they're no different than the reformers of today, Rabotaya Karim. No different. They take the Torah and use it like putty whenever it suits them. You have to stay away from those people, even if they call themselves religious, even if they call themselves orthodox even if they call themselves Nevi'im, prophets, if they're going against the Torah, which is simple, simple to know. Why? How do you know if they're going against the Torah if you're not a scholar? If if the giants of the generation say, no, they're going against the Torah, by default, we listen to the G'doleador and not to anybody else nobody else overrules the giants of the generation 
not the president of the country, not the uh, head of the Jewish agency, not the Christians, not the reformers, not anybody. Why? The sages, there are wings. Without them, we crush and crumble and we do not survive. When we listen to them, we will outlive all of our enemies. Why? Because through the mitzvah of listening to them, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will come and fight your enemies for you. I will come. Your enemies want to conspire against you. I'll send new witnesses. I'll manipulate free will if I have to, just to protect you. Why? You listen to my kids. You will always, always be protected because of it. This is why, Rabotai Karim, I tell people, you want to take, you don't want to take, it doesn't make a difference. What you should work on is your emunat chachamim, your emunat chachamim, your emunah in Hashem, your bitachon Kadosh baruch hu, ashgacha pratit, divine providence. That's what's going to protect you from all of the nightmares that are happening in the world. Why? Because the enemy is coming in every corner. They're coming with a kippah, without a kippah. Male rabbi, female rabbi, Jewish, Gentile, Christian missionary, Messianic Jew, which is the same thing. They're coming in all forms and sizes. They're coming in America, in Israel, in England. They're coming as the head rabbi of England, Imachimo, Mervis, Rasham Erusha, who's one of the biggest Christian missionaries in the missionary world, pretends to be a Jew. They're coming in all forms of sizes. How do we know to follow? Why? Torah says so. Torah said, you follow my gdolim. You don't go right or left without them. You'll have my protection. I will fight the war for you. But if you don't listen, you're on your own. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. Why? Why put ourselves in the hands of the enemy? Why make ourselves so vulnerable? Stop watching these videos. Stop sharing these links and these these uh, posters of this uh, this group of this and this group of that. Stop it. You're destroying the Shamot. It's literally the equivalent of pornography. This coronavirus, uh, a conspiracy, conspiracy theory, virus, vaccine, literally has now become the equivalent of idolatry and pornography combined. Idolatry and pornography combined. People are so enamored by it, so confused by it, they forgot Hashem runs the world. They forgot. Enough. Chalas already. We have Chachamim. Chachamim. What do they say? They say right, we go right. They say left, we go left. Yeah, what if I have both? What if I have some Chachamim say right? I have some Chachamim say left? Perfect. Pick whatever one you want. Pick whatever you want. Because Baruch made it easy for you. Pick whatever you want. Pick it because the Chacham said it. Not because you watch YouTube videos. Not because you watch YouTube videos. If you do it that way, you'll have the protection of the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will fight for you. Chalas already with all of these reform opinions. Enough. We have to listen to the Chachamim. We listen to the Chachamim. We already won. We already won. Why? We have a mitzvah in our hands. A mitzvah in our hands that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised us. He will protect us because of this mitzvah. Or protect us with that mitzvah. What? What? Who's gonna protect you for 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 watching YouTube videos of some doctors? 
Who's going to protect you of wasting an hour and a half of your time of somebody mocking the uh, the Israeli or the U.S. government for their uh, choices of vaccine, whether it's Pfizer or Johnson and Johnson? Who's gonna Who's gonna protect you because you are listening to all the conspiracy theories of uh, of the Kennedy family and, uh, and and the New World Order and the Freemasons and the the, the Bilderbergers and the and the hamburgers? Who's gonna protect you because of that? Who? Only a kadosh baruch is gonna protect you if you listen to his Torah. Listen to his Torah. Listen to his chachamim. You have nothing to worry about. You don't listen. You have everything to worry about. Your choice. Your choice. The price is not the same. With that being said, I'm gonna have a little bit of a drink, and then you guys can answer. Can ask some questions. I made a blessing before. I'm going to ask the first question. How does the rabbi know who is not watching his lectures? Oh, does the rabbi have Ruach HaKodesh? Hmm. Okay, so the rabbi is going to answer. No, the rabbi doesn't have Ruach HaKodesh, but he knows who's not watching his lectures. You know how he knows somebody's not watching his lectures? when they call him or text him during the lectures that's the best or they ask questions that were answered in the lectures that's the best part they ask questions that were answered in the lecture but they say yeah rabbi watch all your lectures that's how the rabbi knows you're a liar so question number two somebody else not the rabbi this time uh chaim is asking does the weekly parasha also apply to gentiles how is it uh relevant to them well i think that this week uh, today she approves it today she approves it that it's relevant to all of mankind if a person studies the weekly parasha deep enough he can find all types of secrets not just uh, relevant to the jews but to the gentiles and to the world and to their life to that day to that week and to their entire life even depending on how much they study it of course, the Jew is going to have a lot more siyat dishmaya, and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, because they have a bigger obligation to learn it. But nonetheless, the Torah is for all of mankind. This is the reason why, in the Book of Deuteronomy, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Torah in uh, seventy languages. Why would Hashem have Moshe Rabbeinu write the Torah in seventy languages on uh, huge rocks that you are are somewhere in the world today? Why would Hashem do that? Because at one point the whole world will discover the torah the whole world will discover the torah that there's only one version of the torah and they'll be able to read it in whatever language they're in whatever language they're in they'll be able to read it brian is asking uh when the shepherd raises the dead will we have the same disabilities or blemishes we had when we were alive before no the uh the prophet jeremiah says that the uh miracles that happen in egypt are going to happen at that time of the exodus will happen again one of the things that happened after egypt is we went to mount sinai and on mount sinai the uh torah tells us that uh the uh who brought his shechina to uh to the world and the, and the sages explain that the uh shechina cannot come to a place of imperfection and because so many people were uh, deformed 
uh, the uh, people with missing arms, legs, broken bags, paraplegic, missing eyes, all types of uh, uh, difficulties uh, in, uh, that they had from their slavery for so many years. Uh, so because the Shekhinah cannot come to a place of imperfection, HaKadosh Baruch Hu simply made a miracle and everybody became perfect. The guy that was missing an arm, the arm grew as if he was a starfish. Uh, the guy that was blind was able to see. The guy that was a uh, deaf was able to... Uh, uh, to hear the woman that was uh, 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 not able to give birth was not able to give birth no problem uh, and so on and so forth everyone became perfect and in essence the same thing and even more more is going to happen when HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings the Mashiach and uh, even later on when HaKadosh Baruch Hu resurrects the dead so yes the uh, the, the uh, imperfections and disabilities will uh, not only cease to exist uh, for those people but for anybody uh, and uh, the, the world will uh, reach a certain uh, uh, level that is uh, beyond uh, what we call natural. Certain things of the natural will continue, as the Rambam says, the operation of the world will continue, but there's going to be certain parts of it that will be super, what we consider today supernatural, that will become the new natural. Uh, one of them is that there will not be any disease and death and, and so on. Uh, Avram is asking if someone does queue for an hour door to door but only post one door will, will he be rewarded for the 20 seconds he put the movie ticket on the door or the whole hour I'm not really understanding if he is going door to door with flyers but he only puts a poster on one door what is he doing for the rest of the time just coming looking at the house and then leaving Oh, I have a poster. You're not gonna get it. And he leaves. Like, what does he do for the whole hour? I'm not. I'm really, really understanding the question. If you're saying he's going door to door, knocking on the doors like the uh, Avdi, like the Christian missionaries. Uh, have you heard about uh, Jesus? Like they do. You know. So you in the opposite. You say you would say, Have you heard about the Torah? Let me tell you about Moshe Rabbeinu. And you start teaching them Gemara or something. Oh yeah, of course. Even if they don't answer the door, that's Mesirut uh, Nefesh. <laughs> but if you're just going door to door doing nothing you just put one flyer on one door that doesn't make any sense now if you're saying if i misunderstood your question in essence you're saying that you went door to door but the only thing you did is just put a flyer there so really an hour worth of work an hour worth of walking door to door was was uh uh really in reality only had a total of 20 seconds of actual uh uh uh, putting the flyers on the door will he get rewarded for the whole hour then yes of course you get rewarded for the whole hour because you wouldn't be able to get to that 20 seconds if it wasn't for that whole hour of walking and going but uh, of course a person needs to be smart with their kiruv just like they're smart with their business and make sure that they use their time effectively uh and and not waste it if you live let's say in one of these communities that your next every neighbor is 25 minutes uh, away from the next neighbor it's not an ideal place to give out flyers you should go to a place that's more uh city like uh, more a uh, place that there's more houses and uh give uh where well, you don't have to spend so much uh time uh doing nothing you know in essence uh that's productive so try to do that uh, but that's it but you get rewarded for the whole time it's but you still want to get uh, fruits from your labor so even though you'll get rewarded for a whole hour of actual effort if you have the whole hour only 
managed to uh, give one card because you walked an hour to go to one house then yeah you get rewarded for an hour of kiru but your your chances of success of that kiru yielding fruit are very very small because you only gave out one card okay whereas if you give out you know in an hour you give out i don't know 200 cards or 50 cards or whatever the amount is but a lot more uh then obviously the uh, the numbers change drastically your the fruits from your labor are going to be much bigger not just the reward that you're getting for that hour but also the reward that you're going to get from the fruits of that hour so there's two parts of the reward there's the reward for the effort the mesirut nefesh for during doing kiruv and the the reward for the actual fruits that that kiruv will yield so surely if let's say you have two people you know speaking you have uh, uh me speaking on one hand and you have somebody else speaking on one hand and we're both trying our best we're both trying our best we're both saying the truth but Hashem has mercy on me and he allows me to succeed and I get the person to do tshuva whereas the other person perhaps is not successful today okay now of course we're both going to get a reward for trying to help somebody do tshuva sure but my reward will be drastically bigger because now I actually have results that person did tshuva now he's going to do mitzvot he's going to keep shabbat he's going to protect his breed he's going to marry a, a, a righteous woman he's going to have righteous kids they're going to uh keep mitzvot they're going to go to yeshiva they're going to learn Torah. they're going to become uh, uh you know uh, uh scholars perhaps they're going to become religious so surely i'm going to get a much greater reward because the fruits of my labor ended up yielding a lot more results than the fruits of his labor he gets rewarded but obviously he doesn't have the same fruits we both have a tree but i have fruits so that's the same concept here that's why you want to make sure that whatever kiruv you're doing you're going in the best way and this is also the reason why sometimes people ask me listen i have a cousin i have a brother i have a sister i have somebody that is not religious what do you think i should do and i immediately give everybody the same exact response send them this lecture most of the time it's the lecture of my personal story sometimes it's different lectures depending on the circumstance and i always tell them send them to this lecture and of course at least 50 percent of the time people tell me no i think it's going to be too hard for them i already know they're not going to watch it i already know they're not going to watch it do you have anything else and my response is yes and i send them another lecture or i say no this is the only thing i have please send it to them please send it to them send them this lecture I had somebody the other day say uh rabbi I'm da 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 can you say you know what you, can you give me some advice I sent him a link to a uh, lecture oh no I think this is too hard I think this is going to depress me if I if I listen to it uh do you have maybe something a little bit uh you know something you could just tell me something a, a little shorter a little quicker so I sent him a different lecture that's uh 15 minutes shorter thanks rabbi why that's the answer stop telling me how to do my job you don't go to a uh a surgery center and tell the surgeon how to uh, perform a surgery just listen to what i say and that's it finished but unfortunately sometimes people think that they're smarter even though they've never made a single person do chuba uh, and they uh, don't want to listen and that's to their loss point is that if you uh, uh if you don't overthink it you simply listen to the instructions of what we do you'll have a lot more fruits you'll have a lot more fruits uh from your labor everybody can work everybody could uh exert effort but not everybody could yield the same fruit so uh, my suggestion is that the person be very very uh uh um 
precise about is their method of, of what they're going to do and not overthink uh, you know as far as every case you know just like be precise as far as this is the general method for everybody I'm gonna send everybody this lecture I'm gonna send everybody this USB or this CD everybody everybody and that's that's generally what works that's generally what works not just in Q but in anything uh, next question is it okay to read your horoscope for fun uh, no not really just because number one it's bitul Torah it's a, a waste of time you could be using for for learning Torah number two sometimes there are people behind it that are uh, using different types of uh, witchcraft most of the time it's complete mumbo-jumbo nonsense that's made up by a computer but sometimes there is people that are using this different types of uh, witchcraft uh, that you don't want to be connected to and uh, four it could also be confusing why because sometimes it's right meaning that sometimes their general advice their general statement actually applies to your life and people get confused thinking that oh maybe they do know something and the next thing you know you start reading it every week avidly instead of uh doing something much more productive so no reading horoscope is a complete waste of time uh michael is asking was wondering if our kids can play with glow sticks on shabbat uh uh, these are filled with chemicals you crack the stick chemicals combine inside them uh no you cannot do that uh generally speaking it's a uh it's considered mukze uh now uh, of course uh, can you find somebody that will tell you that it's okay sure uh but uh generally speaking it's not uh it's not the uh ideal thing to do on uh, shabbat because uh if if not for uh anything but simply for the fact that it's marita ayin which is uh it looks like it's electricity and that's enough of a reason uh for it to be uh uh not part of the uh shabbat environment that you're supposed to have i know it's not electricity i was a kid once too uh and uh but uh, nonetheless it's definitely not uh, part of the shabbat environment it's uh give them legos better i know it's not the same toy and the kids are saying oh Abba, it's not the same thing just say rabbi said legos are better i'm buying you legos <laughs> buy them something else not not glow sticks not glow sticks uh next question charlie's asking would only jews be res- resurrected when the mashiach comes uh to uh, well i mean listen the uh to my knowledge you're gonna have a uh you know the prophet says you're gonna have two-thirds of the world are going to be destroyed the last third of the world is going to uh, uh, be tested, meaning that some of them will survive, some of them will be destroyed. And uh, then the, uh, uh, whoever remains, those are the people that are going to merit to see the uh, Mashiach. Uh, and then uh, some say 40 years later, there's going to be the resurrection of the dead, which uh, to my knowledge is the resurrection of the righteous uh, uh, Jews that uh, are dead not the uh, righteous among all of the nations but uh, I actually have to double check that I don't believe that it's righteous among everybody I believe it's only righteous among the Jewish people because the non-Jews would already uh, they're you know they're gonna be alive or they're already gonna be in their section of heaven anyway uh, so there's not gonna be a, uh, a purpose for them to be resurrected uh, but if I find out anything otherwise, I'll uh, correct myself uh, uh, next week. I don't think so, but you know, if it's a, uh, if I see anything else, I'll tell you.
Michael is asking if a husband and a wife are having a meal together the man doesn't eat a mutsi, but the wife does who reads the bill Amazon well if the husband is not eating mutsi, he's not allowed to read Birkat Amazon because it will be Bukhalivatala. Uh, you're saying Hashem's name in vain. The wife has to read the Birkat Amazon for herself. Um, Robert, why does the Torah warn an accidental killer not to leave the shelter city if revenge is prohibited in other parts of the Torah? Does the family of the deceased have the permission to take revenge? That's exactly it, Robert. That's exactly it. It's a, the Torah says that uh, if somebody accidentally kills somebody else, he has to run to the shelter city. Why? Because not only uh, is the uh, uh, family uh, likely to kill him as a revenge, as an emotional revenge, but you cannot uh, tr- uh, try them uh, for killing that person. You can't, you can't blame them for killing that person. In essence, they have permission to kill the person. They have the permission to kill the person. Uh, why? Because he killed somebody else. So, yeah, technically, they, they do have permission. It's obviously uh, the, the reason why Torah says to go to these shelter cities is to give uh, this person a chance to survive, but uh, there is a chance for, uh, for, for him to die, and uh, the person that kills him will not, uh, will not suffer any harm. Uh, David is asking when the uh, yard site is in the middle of the week when exactly does the Sephardi start and end the Kaddish and does he have to go up to the Torah on uh, Saturday before the yard site no yard site can be celebrated technically at any time uh, you know many people like to do the yard site uh, you know on Shabbat because there's more people there's the Aliyah uh, you know, but uh, you can do it on any given day. There's no uh, specific uh, day of the week that you have to do it. Uh, you say Kaddish, uh, generally the Kaddish is the last Kaddish before Aleinu Leshabech. That's where all the people that uh, lost a parent, that's when they say Kaddish. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, if you want to celebrate the yard site on a specific day, whether it's uh, you know Shabbat or Tuesday or whatever day you can, you know many times people arrange for there to be a you know big Torah event, a big lecture, in honor of their uh, dead uh, you know uh, loved one, uh, and uh, the day that the speaker can arrive it cannot you know is not always uh, the day that that person died. What do you cancel it? No, you wait for him to come and you celebrate the yard site on that day. Celebrate that uh, it's a it's it's a customary thing to do. It's a nice thing to do, but nonetheless, it's not a specific halacha that you have to do it on a specific day or anything like that. Uh, Jack is asking. I saw you posted a picture of Asher Meza with no yarmulke with bikers. What a disgrace, Mamash. He makes the other heretics seem like baby kofers compared to this mamzel. Uh, listen, Asher is unfortunately so arrogant. He doesn't see the Chovah Be'atzmo. The, the Gemara Masechet Shabbat says that a uh, person doesn't see his own uh, miracles, a person doesn't see his own obligations. Uh, but unfortunately, in this particular case, he's so arrogant, even if you show him his own deficiencies, even if you show him his own mistakes, 
he, he looks at you dumbfounded he doesn't understand and the amount of times that he makes mistakes uh in his uh, in his videos and things is, is literally endless but yet all of his viewers are so ignorant that they don't know any different you know if he says the rambam said something he says it with such uh, a confidence that people make it seem as if moses said it lavdim but in reality he has said a lot of things that i've heard myself that are outright mistakes like he said rambam doesn't say that wasting seed is murder in fact, Rambam himself writes it specifically that wasting seed is murder. He specifically says it. He actually uses those words. It's murder. But he said, that, no, wasting seed is not murder. And he says all types of stupid things that are just literally outright mistakes. But his listeners, most of them are Mechale Shabbat if they're Jews. And if they're not Jews, they're literally Christians, missionaries sometimes, all types of people that are confused even more than he is. But he doesn't understand what it means to to be a jew he has no concept it's a, it's not just because he was born a non-jew it's that he doesn't have any any uh any rabbi that he learned from he has no uh no real leader that he listens to he has nothing he is is his idol is 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 a heretic dennis prager like he doesn't have any real concept of what judaism really is she has no concept of what Chilul Hashem is, what a Jew is supposed to look like, not necessarily because it's a Torah commandment to wear a beard and to put a yarmulke, but rather because that's the look of a Jew, and even more so, to not look like a non-Jew, needless to say, to not look like a Nazi, which is really what he looks like in that picture. He looks like a skinhead Nazi. That's what he looks like. But he'll, use, he'll do that because he loves the attention. He loves the attention. That's why he puts those pictures up and he does things that he knows are going to irritate people that are zealous for Hashem or people that are simply, you know, more accustomed to traditional Judaism. And he likes to irritate. He's like, a, you know, he's like a mosquito uh, in, in, in both Torah knowledge as well as, 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 as actual ethics and everything else. He's just a person that loves, loves attention. And it's a sociopath. He's a very sick person. And uh, I feel bad. I hope that he does chuba one day. I mean, it's, uh, he's, a, he's just a, he's very delusional, the poor guy. And I don't even know if it's like a, uh, a, a worth it to mention him anymore because I honestly think at this point that he, he may be considered a shote. He may be considered a shote. Like when I posted the picture, I didn't find the picture. I didn't send any photographer to go find this embarrassing picture. He posted the picture himself and I reposted it because I found it so absurd that he doesn't see anything wrong with this picture. And he posts it proudly, looking, calling himself rabbi, looking 100% like an idol worshiping Nazi. And he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it because supposedly he's hanging out with a bunch of Jewish bikers. I don't know what kind of Jewish bikers there are, but nonetheless, let's say there are. And uh, and he's hanging out with them, looking like a Nazi. So I don't know, maybe they're playing, you know, Nazi and, 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 and victim. Like, I don't know, they're chasing each other. Like the, the guys with the kippah are, you know, pretending that he's going to kill them. I don't know. I don't know what, what the whole point is. But nonetheless, he's riding a bike and he, and he thinks it's cool. He thinks it's like hip. He thinks it's with the motor. So he doesn't realize anything wrong with it. So I repost this thing. A few people rebuked me saying, oh, why are you reposting embarrassing pictures? 
He's posting it himself. It's him. He did it. I just reposted it showing that he doesn't, he doesn't realize there's anything wrong with it. It's the most bizarre thing in the world. Not only that, he makes a comment on my uh, post saying, thanks for posting it. Like, he's even more proud of it. Like, he doesn't see anything wrong with it. And at that point, I realized he is, I think he's a shote. I think he's, a, he's, he's like a crazy person. Uh, you know, like a drunkard. Like, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand there's something wrong with everything that he does, everything that he says. And uh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what, what to say anymore. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a strange, strange situation. Honestly, I, I didn't plan on, on, on mentioning his name anymore until you, I, mean, I just read the question and you mentioned his name. I don't even know if I want to mention his name anymore. I think he's just a, like, I don't know. I, I think it's like, you have to cry over a person like this. Like, you know, like he has Down syndrome or something. Like, like somebody that's autistic, someone that has like some type of deformity. Like, uh, I, I, I think that's where he's at. I, I think that's where he's at. He's, he's just, uh... I mean, there's other things I'm not telling you guys that, that, that perhaps I'm going to release it at some point. I have to get, uh, pick the right timing and get the, 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 the permission. Uh, yes, I ask for permission for everything, guys. My rabbis give me permission for, for everything. I'm a good little boy. As, as, as scary as I may sound and, uh, and make people think I am, everything I get permission from. Why? I, I know that in order to, the, the people that are smart are not usually the ones that are the smartest. The people that are successful are not usually the ones that are smartest. You know who they are? The smartest guy in the room, the smartest guy in the room, the most successful guy in the room, you know who he is? He's the guy who knows that he's not the smartest guy in the room, and in fact knows who is the smartest guy, knows who, who, who to go to. So that's in essence the, 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 the secret. For anyone that wants to live a good life in, in, in both in, 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 in Judaism and in everything else, never think that you're the smartest. Always go to the people that are better than you, experts, people that are more knowledgeable, people that have more expertise and so on. So I know that I know a certain amount, but surely my rabbi knows more and his rabbi knows more and Chazal knows more and, and so on. So that's why we always go to the source. Why? We don't want to be superheroes. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. Surely, we'd love to have new insights be gifted to us and new things to discuss, but we don't want to reinvent the wheel if it's already there. And, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the mistake that people like, uh, like Meza make. Like He thinks that you're supposed to reinvent the wheel. He thinks you need to reinvent the wheel. Instead of going to something that doesn't exist, he goes to what exists, what's already accepted, and he tries to reinvent it. He's trying to change... The entire Jewish world, you know, into his new, I don't know, religion or whatever he calls uh, uh, his, his cult. Uh, and in fact, he calls everybody else a cult, everybody else a different religion, which we are a different religion to him. It's just that he's confused of, of, of who's right here. And it's unfortunate. It's a very, very unfortunate situation. Mamash uh, haram, haram. It's like, let's say, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you, if it's, 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 it's a, if he wasn't such a bad guy, I would cry over him, but he's, uh, I, I, he's, he's not, a, I, but I'm just not really sure if he's outright evil or he's just crazy. 
like it's it's I'm having a little bit of a dilemma here. It's uh, to be honest with you guys, I'm, I'm I'm just having a dilemma. I'm not sure if he's evil or he's crazy. Uh, I'm leaning more towards the crazy side. I'm leaning more towards the crazy side, even though some of the things he does are evil. I'm leaning more towards the crazy side. Uh, I think he's like one of those people that just like has you know shows off a huge amount of confidence but in reality is the most self-conscious person on planet earth needs and yearns attention needs friends needs recognition needs to be part of groups you know like one of those people that joins the team even if he doesn't know how to play just because he wants to pretend like he's part of the team and he has a jersey He's like one of those people. He's like a like a miskin, you know, and like miskin in Hebrew we call him miskin, like a poor person. Um, but he exudes confidence, which is really the opposite of what he has. The opposite. It's a very sad, sad story, to be honest with you. It's beginning getting sadder uh, as I see how he's deteriorating uh, tragically, like worse and worse by the day. Like he doesn't even understand that what he's doing is wrong. He has no concept of it. Okay, let's move on to another thing. I think Hashemish uh, um, Some things I may agree with, but many I don't. Because many things are very personal and spiritual. And within oneself, you can't speak for others. you got to speak for your... I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Uh, why does the halacha in Yokut Yosef say that to do tikkun chatzot instead of slichot when that's not the minhag of the world? I saw the halacha uh, to even uh, do tikkun chatzot is only for high-level people who uh, can make uh, themselves cry. Ah, so the reason why is because the uh, the uh, the custom that is uh, um, more uh, that you do most more often take precedent take precedent over the customs that are random uh, that are different parts of the year so because if a person does tikkun chatzot every day it's not worth it for him to break that tradition that he has the whole year in order to uh, do slichot that he only does for part of the year uh, and that's with anything that's uh, customary you uh, the thing that you do uh, uh, all the time is always uh, priority if a woman is starting to dress modestly, uh, but still all over the internet are pictures of her in her old attire, does she make a sin every time a man sees those photos, even if it's out of her control to remove the photos? And she greatly regrets how she dressed. Is this different for Jews and non-Jews? Uh, yes, she is, uh, because she uh, publicized the videos or publicized the photos, Every time somebody sins because of her, she has a very serious problem. So she has to exert every effort possible to get those pictures and videos uh, removed, even if it means to spend every dollar that she has. Uh, she has to remove all of those pictures and all of those videos from the internet, uh, do whatever she can to remove them from any place that, that uh, has them. If she truly does 100% of what she can, HaKadosh Baruch will surely help her uh, succeed and, uh, and judge her favorably. But if she says, oh, I tried, I sent my friend an email to remove all of the pictures that I had and uh, she didn't respond. So, uh, you know, it's not in my hands anymore. No, no, that's not, uh, that's not enough. It's not enough. Everybody knows what their real effort is. 
and everybody knows what their uh, fake effort is. So if she really does try her best, uh, Kadosh Baruch will uh, provide uh, uh, both mercy and success. Uh, please explain what people mean when they say that there are 70 different faces, interpretations to the Torah. Uh, okay. I uh, mentioned this. There's, I think I believe there's a couple of uh, lectures that I've mentioned this. And I think there's even a clip that we took to explain the 70 faces of the Torah. So there are uh, the written Torah that is older than the uh, the Jewish people. The written Torah, what Gemara says, was written 974 generations before the world even existed. Akadosh Baruch Hu took black fire as his, uh, as his ink and wrote the Torah on white fire. Now that Torah is endless. Endless, truly endless, meaning that in the beginning, a Kadosh Baruch Hu put everything in it. It was the blueprint to the world. So he saw that this Torah has uh, the rules for, let's say, kosher animals. So therefore, he created kosher animals and non-kosher animals. He saw that this Torah has uh, the uh, you know kosher uh, 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 fish. So he created kosher fish and not kosher fish. Uh, he uh, said that you know in the Torah has rules of let's say. The family purity, so he made male and female, and the female has the time of the month, uh, and so on and so forth. So he looked at the Torah, and he created the world. The world, the, the world is a, uh, uh, the creation that came from the blueprint, which is the Torah. So this Torah has everything in it. The past, the, the present, the future, this shiur, this conversation, the personal conversation you're going to have with somebody in five minutes from now, the conversation you had 20 years ago, everything and anything that exists is in a Torah if you know how to find it. Now, this Torah was given to, uh, uh, to Am Yisrael, but the, uh, there's, it's not literal, meaning you're not going to go into the Torah and open uh, a certain parasha and see the name Yaron Reuven gave a shiur on such and such date. You're not going to see that. You have to know how to find these things. So there are different rules that to, to find something in the Torah. Different rules that the sages uh, taught us that they got at Mount Sinai from Moses of how to interpret the Torah, how to find different secrets, how to establish that something is truly a law versus something is not a law. What, uh, which verses apply to what? Uh, so there are different rules that the Gemara teaches us of how to interpret the written Torah and know what's what. So now, there are also different rules uh, of how to interpret the verses of what really transpired, meaning that all of these uh, uh, Midrashim and Haggadot and, and, and stories that happened that you don't see in the written Torah, they're not just out of thin air. They're taught from the written Torah by the sages using specific rules where they say oh because this sentence started with this letter when it doesn't usually start with this letter it means such and such because uh this uh, uh word is spelled in a unique way it means such and such everywhere else it's spelled with five letters here it's spelled with four letters it means the same thing but it's a uh it's nonetheless uh has a there's a different reason of why it's spelled that way or why it has a certain nikud 
It's like, for example, this the foolishness of of of, uh, of English, where they spell the word night with a K and without a K. In reality, you can say, yeah, the one with the K is the knight that fights, and the one with the without the K is the knight like it's night. Yeah, you can say that, but in reality, it's that's it's an excuse. It doesn't really mean that way. The real uh, thing is it's stupidity. You could sp- use the word knight for both reasons, as you have other words in the English language and other languages that mean multiple things. In the Hebrew language, though, in the uh, in the Sfat Kodesh, not the Hebrew language of, of, of modern-day Israel, but Hebrew language of the biblical language, there is not such a thing. Meaning, every word has a single meaning. There are certain things that mean similar things, but it's you know, but it's not the, the one word is used for a, uh, three different uh, things. But you can spell the same word different ways in order to establish different rules or different things, uh, different uh, 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 teachings. There are also certain stories that uh, that the sages teach us that they learn from the uh, way that the Torah is written that uh the order of the letters the order of the sentence the uh the extra use of words the lack of use of words and many other things so the point being is is that there are uh 70 different ways if you will to uh 70 different faces to uh to interpret the torah but in essence it's not 70 different things that contradict each other it's 70 different facets of the same diamond so in essence if you have let's say a uh, you know a uh, a diamond you know and that diamond has different facets in order for that diamond to really be shiny it has to have you know a certain number of facets and certain uh, uh, they have to have a certain uh, uh, type of uh, direction and so on you know the diamond dealers know exactly what I'm talking about so now the the shinier the diamond is the shinier the diamond is that means that the you know the, the 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 one the diamond cutter cut it in a unique way cut it in a unique way that's why you have a company i think i don't know if they still exist but there's a company i think called blue nile or something like that there were a certain company that uh created uh, a new way of cutting a diamond that made it look shinier even though their uh stone was the same exact stone color shape as another stone their diamond looked shinier because they knew how to cut it in a, in a different way. I'm sure this is already everywhere by now, but initially they, uh, they, uh, they did something. So, but the point being is, is that if you have uh, somebody looking at this shiny diamond from this direction or from a different direction, you're not going to say that they're both looking at different diamonds. They're both looking at the same exact diamond, but they're looking at different parts of it. So when it's the say to say there's 70 faces to the Torah is that all 70 faces are still staring at the same truth, at the same truth. Now, unlike a diamond where that truth is, uh, that diamond has a single point that they're all pointing on, sometimes the Torah has multiple truths. It's not always a single truth. There's a single God, there's a single Torah, there's a single general truth, but certain things have multiple truths. Why multiple truths? Because there is a truth of this world and there's a truth of the upper world. 
where there is certain laws that are applicable to this world, Bet Hilel, and there are certain laws that are true and should be applicable for this world, but we can survive with those rules, and therefore they're only applicable in the next world, which is Shammai. So there are 70 different faces, 70 different facets, 70 different interpretations, all looking at that overall same Torah. But it's not, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, the opposite of each other uh, all the time. It's, it's things that are, ex- you know, within the guidelines, within the rule book, if you will, of how to interpret the Torah. You can't just decide that this is going to mean whatever you want it because you decided this is one of the 70 faces. You know, that's what a lot of uh, foolish people think. They think that, oh, if there are 70 faces in the Torah, so I can decide that this word means that, and this sentence means that. No, Habibi, it doesn't work that way. You have to use those rules in order for that interpretation to be valid. Meaning you can't just interpret things any way you, you feel like it and just say, okay, this is one of the 70 faces. No, you have to, that interpretation has to meet all of the guidelines, all of the different guidelines in order to be accepted uh, as, as an actual valid interpretation. Or else you could just simply make a whole mishmash out of the entire Torah and you could pretty much find whatever you want in the Torah. You could turn all of the idols into the, into, into the God and you can turn uh, the, uh, the chosen people into uh, the enemy. You can do whatever you want if, if, if the interpretation doesn't have a certain rules. So those rules we got at Mount Sinai, that's part of the Oral Torah, and they're discussed in the uh, Talmud as one of the main, many things that is discussed in it. But in general, it's uh, any interpretation, it has to have the, uh, the uh, has to meet the guidelines, has to meet the rules for that interpretation. And uh, one rule of thumb that I've, uh, I've learned is that uh, generally speaking, there is no question that you're going to ask or I'm going to ask or really almost anybody in, the, in this generation is going to ask that nobody else in the past has asked. Everything was discussed by the sages of the past. Everything. Every question you come up with, every single idea you come up with, somebody else has already discussed it. Somebody else has already addressed it and, uh, and figured out whether it's true or not, whether it's valid or not. Which means that one of the main things that a person needs to do if they're truly looking for the truth is to find a friend. Uh, so meaning find a friend, find a sage that says what you said says what you believe if you can't find anybody that says what you said either it's simply not true and uh which is the most common or you didn't look hard enough or you didn't look hard enough uh now you say well what about Hidushim? what about new insights the new insights are not new from nothing the new insights have friends that are perhaps not complete they're part of it that new insight that I'm going to bring you is not new from nothing. It has a part of the Rambam, a part of the Ramban, a part of Rabbi Akiva, a part of this. I took a bunch of different diamonds and I added one specific unique idea to it or simply just took their ideas and combined them in a fashion that nobody else made. Nobody else had, but they're all valid ideas that, uh, that uh, were accepted. That could be a, a new insight. 
to create something out of nothing nobody does that and that's actually one of the mistakes people that are anti-torah and anti-mysticism and anti-truth uh, uh, often uh, think about the Zohar and the uh, uh where they think oh the Zohar is uh, is is the mystical teachings of uh, judaism it's a uh, and they say all types of foolish things about it as if the Zohar was a uh, a new thing in reality mysticism is found in all parts of the torah from the five books of moses to all over the tanakh to the gemara to even poskim and even more so anyone that actually read the zohar knows that rabbi shimon bar yochai didn't come up with completely new insights out of nothing rabbi shimon bar yochai used the kabbalistic works and uh, and uh, words of the sages from his time and before his time where there's at least 60 kabbalistic books that rabbi shimon bar yochai quotes that preceded the zohar meaning he's quoting them in the zohar means that they existed before him they existed before him and he's quoting them in the zohar so a lot of these books that people like to either uh, make fun of or they're clueless about them or anything else some of these books are mentioned and they actually preceded the Zohar and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is simply quoting them he's not inventing something out of new but people that are too busy making fun generally don't have time to learn and that's usually what happened but the point is is that if a person studies enough Torah he's going to find a friend for all of his new insights and the best that he can do is is, is usually combine all of the different insights that he found and compile them together and make a yalkut make a connection between the points the beautiful points the different sages uh and and, and verses said in order to make their their new insight which is in essence usually a new way of looking at the same thing it's instead of looking at the diamond from the right side or the left side he's looking at, at it from the top or the bottom so in essence it's the same diamond but he's looking at it from a different direction okay we're almost done uh let's ask how do i properly dispose of a christian bible uh it has the old testament which is supposed to be the five books of moses burn bury just throw in the garbage i have a lecture uh on uh online from about five six years ago which uh, i think it's titled are you allowed to learn uh torah from a uh christian missionary uh in india i talk about different rules in regards to what happens if a uh christian writes a not a uh bible that has the five books of moses but even more so writes a torah scroll let's say a christian idol worshiper he's a uh or even a non-jew that's serves god let's just say good guy good guy not an idol worshiper good guy writes a Torah scroll it's automatically not kosher a Michalel Shabbat Jew Jew natural born Jew but he desecrates Shabbat writes a Torah scroll not kosher not kosher can never use it can never use it in fact uh Yashiv Aravid Yashiv Alava Shalom said that most of the Sifret Torah in, 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 in the communities around the world are not kosher according to his Psaq most of the Sifret Torah he says in all communities around the world are not kosher why he says because what the custom has become is that usually the Sofer is writing the Sefer Torah in Eretz Israel but because he wants to travel with the Sefer Torah by himself he doesn't want to bring 10 people with him 
he doesn't complete the Sefer Torah. So he, it's, it's usually incomplete. Usually it's missing a few letters or even a few verses sometimes. And so that way he could put it in a suitcase or a duffel bag and take it with him by himself and, and, and not uh, uh, desecrate the Torah. But now what happens is they go to the community and usually most communities have this uh, event where they have Achnasat Torah and people donate in order to write a letter in a Torah. People donate all types of money uh, and they say, oh yeah, I want to donate $100, $500, $1,000, and they give them the kavod of writing one of the letters of the Torah along with the scribe. Rav Yasiv says that Torah scroll that has one of these people write in the Torah, if that person's a Mechalel Shabbat, which unfortunately is very common, that entire Torah scroll, that entire Torah scroll is not kosher. The entire Torah, even if it's one letter, needless to say, if it has a bunch of letters, because a bunch of people use this opportunity to uh, to so-called make the mitzvah of writing a sefer Torah, which is really uh, doubt, uh, doubtful if it's even a mitzvah. But nonetheless, most of the people that usually like to donate to this stuff are people that don't keep mitzvot, and they end up going up to the uh, sofer, the scribe, and they take his hand with their hand and they write. Uh, the the letter Yashiv Paskins that Sefer Torah is not kosher and many times it's a bunch of people that go up and they write and it's a bunch of Mechalel Shabbat so Rabbi Yashiv says and for those uh, uh, rabbis that say no no the uh, the Sofer then wrote over it meaning the 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 Mechalel Shabbat wrote the first round first batch of ink but the Sofer wrote on top of it. Rabbi Yashiv says, it's still not a kosher Sefer Torah. You have to completely remove, you have to completely remove everything that that Michalel Shabbat did and rewrite the whole, the, that whole thing in order for, for you to fix that, uh, that Sefer Torah. So, I mean, you're talking about one of the biggest rabbis that lived in the last hundred years, if not a few hundred years, has a psak which i honestly don't know what the psak is of, of of other sages i haven't read uh extensively into this particular thing but i know what he said literally it's a hundred percent true what he says meaning most of the sifre torah in bateknesset in the world if they're not relying on some leniency that i don't know about most of the sifre torah are not kosher most of the sifre torah are not kosher and that's from jews that's from jews that are not keeping Shabbat not keeping Shabbat therefore the entire Torah scroll not Torah book textbook entire Torah scroll is not kosher because of that so now going back to uh, uh, to uh, um, your question if a Christian writes a Torah scroll the Rambam writes it's a mitzvah to burn it it's a mitzvah to destroy it uh you don't have to bury it you don't have to show it any respect why because that christian that wrote that torah scroll wrote it in the name of an idol he didn't write it in the name of god he wrote it in the name of his yoshke so it's not uh, even though it's hebrew words and hebrew letters it's forbidden to read that thing and it's in fact it's actually a mitzvah to destroy it uh so as far as uh disposing a christian bible you can throw it in the garbage, or better yet, you can put uh, Clorox on it so nobody else uses it. Or if you want to be a hero like uh, some of the other students that I have, you could even burn it. But I don't recommend necessarily making a video out of it because it makes a lot of people uh, upset and it's uh, unnecessary.
but uh, you know, nonetheless, there are some people that do that. They get uh, really upset when they discover that the Christian Bible is full of idolatry, and they do make videos of themselves burning uh, those books. And uh, it's, it's again, it's 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 not a uh, it's not a sin to do that. I could I could definitely tell you that it's not a sin to do that, but it can create animosity. It can even create anti-Semitism. The point being is, it's full of idolatry. Get rid of it. The sooner, the better. That's the that's the point. Uh, okay, Rabotai, uh, I'm tired. I have another question that uh, I have another shiur that I have to uh, uh, get to. Uh, you know what? Let me try to see if I can answer a couple more questions. It's still kind of. Yeah. All right, Misha is asking During Shemitah year, all loans are forgiven except the loans that were done with collateral. Why would someone give collateral if we are supposed to give loans to any Jew who needs it without taking collateral? Are loans automatically forgiven? No. The first off, the, uh, the all loans are uh, not forgiven because there's a prosbul. The sages instituted a prosbul because they saw that since people didn't have to uh, return the loans, uh, a lot of the lenders simply would not lend the money anymore. So they uh, they formed a prosbul, which in essence means that the loan is still valid even without a collateral, even without a collateral. Uh, and that's needless to say is applicable still today. Old loans are still 100% uh, valid. Um, let's see. I think that's one. Are animals allowed to be euthanized since we are not to cause animals any undue stress? Meaning an elderly dog that's in pain. Uh, okay so in regards to in regards to animals you're not allowed to uh, neuter animals that's called that's a it uh, uh, causes the animal unnecessary pain but you are allowed to euthanize an animal if it is suffering you are allowed to euthanize it if it's suffering you should ask uh, and, and double check uh, a uh, you know the, the doctor obviously that it's truly that this is not a uh, uh, or the veterinarian, this is not a recoverable thing and the animal is suffering, but uh, you are allowed to euthanize an animal if it's suffering, yes. It's actually a show of mercy. Uh, it's because you have to be merciful to the animal, you're allowed to euthanize it. But to euthanize animals just because uh, they uh, you don't want it anymore or, or something like that, that's forbidden. That's forbidden. Um, uh, okay, Jose is asking, under Allah's rule by the Torah, are all journalists considered outright liars? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say they're all considered outright liars, but they're, uh, they're all considered they're all considered sinners because everything that they do for a living is forbidden by the Torah. It's Lashonara. Uh, or it's Rechilut. Either they're coming up with, they're disclosing uh, information that the person doesn't want people to know, and that's Lashon Ara, or they're uh, making up information, or they're uh, simply uh, spreading information that's untrue, which is Rechilut. So in essence, they're all wicked, uh, because everything, their, their entire profession, their entire profession is a, is a, uh, uh, depends on, uh, on, on falsehood, on falsehood and on sins. So they're all wicked. All journalists are wicked. There's no such thing as the... Uh, a righteous journalist uh, if they're working for like a major news network or a newspaper or something like that now are there private journalists 
that uh, are uh, more righteous and they uh, uh, and say the truth yes they do exist uh, and some of them uh, even work for major companies uh, but the only time that they're able to do that is if they have complete autonomy to what they uh, write meaning they uh, no one can tell them what to do there's a uh, there's actually a uh, journalist uh, named Tzvi Echeskeli uh, who's a famous journalist he's also a famous Baal Tshuva he's a uh, expert in uh, Middle East uh, issues and uh, especially terrorism and the and, and the the world of the Arabs he actually uh, uh, was reporting there uh, for years and then he also had a show where he was a uh, undercover uh, Muslim pretending to be a Muslim uh, sheikh and he went and infiltrated the uh, the Muslim world and showed how terrorism in the Muslim world is pretty much standard and it's everywhere it's not just like in the uh, you know in Sudan or something or in uh, in Iraq or Afghanistan it's in America he came to America it's in uh, Jewish neighborhoods you have the sometimes these mosques you have it there it's in America it's in the UK it's all over Europe it's all over uh, uh, the uh, the world uh, and it's pretty much standard teaching in, in Muslim uh, 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 mosques uh, is uh, uh, anti uh, anti-semitic uh, are all of them like that no but uh, unfortunately a very very large part of them and they're very very uh, well funded and uh, and uh, very vicious so the point is that Svi Cheskeli he uh, is an expert uh, in this field of, of, of terrorism, Middle East, Arabs, uh, all that all that stuff. And he reports, he reports in the news. He reports in the news different specific things. Uh, but he has full autonomy. He has full autonomy. And generally speaking, it's a, uh, he focuses more on the things of the, uh, of the non-Jews. And there's no deen of Lashonara as far as non-Jewish world. But... Uh, and there are some, you know, a, uh, people that are uh, better than others, but generally speaking, it's almost impossible, almost impossible to be a uh, righteous journalist because part of journalism is that, that everybody relies on is to get the scoop, to get attention, to get the world to, to, uh, to, to notice you. And that means that you're constantly playing with a gray area uh, that of whether to report something or not report something because it'll get you more ratings uh, you know so you're biased for the wrong reason you know if uh, what do you, you know if you guys are going to report what's happening in a kolel nothing's happening what's happening today in a kolel and uh, you know in, in, in Bet Shemesh everybody woke up really early they everybody except one guy showed up on time they all studied they prayed and they ended was the, the journalism's career is over so what do they usually do they all they go and they look for stories they look for things and and, and many times those things are forbidden either because it's lashonara or it's because it's false it's it's rechilut. so to be a righteous a uh, journalist if not impossible extraordinarily difficult and to be successful at that you have to be very very learned very very learned does it exist i know of something that gets close to it there's one guy that's a uh, from jew i believe he's based out of america but most of the stuff that he reports is based in israel 
and uh, he uh, he reports a lot of things. Uh, but I know of at least the reason why I say he's a very learned person. But the reason why I say that it's close and not uh, yes, because I know of at least one story that he reported where he literally butchered a person by re-reporting something that was completely false. Butchered him. Like, you know, the guy was an, av- is an avrech, tzaddik. Uh, both of his parents were murdered, and uh, he jumped on the bandwagon when everybody blamed this avrech, this tzaddik, who never picked up a, a metal knife in his life. Uh, they blamed him for murdering his parents, Hashem Yishmovetzi, the guy, this guy, the tzaddik. And they blamed him, and this guy jumped, you know, reported this also, Hashem Yishmovetzi, uh much murdering the guy the guy is uh still to this day uh suffering uh trauma from the reporting they did against him so you know that guy has to do serious chuba serious chuba for that now is that the only story that he ever uh screwed up in i highly doubt it highly doubt it because you have to report every day as a journalist you have to report every day pretty much i mean to, to do such a thing you have to i don't know have superhuman powers to, to verify that everything is allowed and it's uh, kosher and it's true and it's this. So I think it's safe to say that uh, the vast majority of journalists are in very, very serious uh, trouble and they have a villa in uh, Genome Reserve for them. But there is a possibility that some may escape by like the skin of, of of their of their teeth you know escape gain or perhaps but uh hard to hard to uh okay that was a good question thank you very much for the question i appreciate it uh bless each and every single one of you if you fell with any type of sin get up how do you get up say i'm sorry i made a sin forgive me take me back and start doing mitzvot as soon as possible the first mitzvah that you can do do it whatever you can do do it one mitzvah leads to another one mitzvah leads to another and may all of us start doing mitzvot and get other people to do mitzvot and never stop and anytime we fall we uh, we uh, we uh we get up again and do another mitzvah another mitzvah another mitzvah and Get the whole world around us to do mitzvot. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. הרב ירון ראובן, הרב אפרים כחלון, ראשי רגורים בעזרת השם, שהלכו בפעליון, שעלו מעלה מעלה, יהיה להם ברכה והצלחה, קדוש ברוך הוא ימלא משאלות ליבם, לטובה ולברכה, שבכל אשר יפנו, 
ישכילו ויצליחו. יזכו עוד לעשות כאלה וכאלה, ודיעו תורה לאדירה, אמן ואמן. אז אם בזמן שם רשת בכל הארץ, הוא היהודי הזה, הוא היה מיליונר, סגר את כל הביזנס, אמר אני משקיע פה בעולמה של תורה. איפה הוא גר? בפלורידה. פלורידה, איפה זה פלורידה? באמריקה. במיאמי,